I'm in my end of an era era. Era era. And I'm ever, loving ever. that for you. No, sorry, I was vibing to the theme song. Hey, everybody, it's Nico. Welcome back to another All New Exes for Show, the show we take a look at all the best media all week, every week, coming to you live Saturdays and Sundays. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action, just like it says right down there at Nico Action, N I C O A C T I O N. Oh my God, first time in history. Wow. Oh. Oh, oh, wow. End of an era. I shaved this mustache face. has changed you. The mustache. It's, it's Samson. I, this is no, it's just different powers. You're gonna, yeah. Your agility's through the roof now. Exactly. Look, see? That was great. All right, but who are you guys? Uh, I'm TK, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. And that makes me the man who pushes the buttons. Uh, you can find me at Kev O'Reilly. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. You know, push the buttons. I push the buttons. But uh, push my buttons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do. Pushes a lot of buttons. I'm a button we man. We love them you know for I mean? it. You know, so uh, funny enough, though, I do prefer a button fly to a zipper fly for obvious reasons. Why, why did you we ever, do as a species? Yeah, I really do. So, okay. Speaking of looking super cool. And uh, rocking this very wispy uh, teenage boy stash. Let's talk a little bit about why we're here. Now, I don't just shave my face for nothing. Uh, it's really interesting because X is for show, which according to this graphic, X is for S. How? Um, is. And fuck you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. You know I love it. I didn't just approve it. I obsessively love it. So when this show began, <laughs> it was originally me and uh, who will be on shortly, Jonah. And the two of us were talking about uh, Uncanny X-Men from the start. And then uh, incredible good buddy Kyle, a uh, big old fucking bull of a human, uh, came in and was like, I want to do other stuff with you too. And we kept talking about the same stuff going on in the 70s around that time. And Kevo and I started taking a look at matching Captain Britain's. And uh, we sort of launched this project with the idea that we were going to follow the X-Men through the 70s. And then it got to the 80s. And then Krakoa happened. And we just wound up in an X-Universe so engaging in the present that I had to bring the show there. We had to fast forward. Uh, Dylan and Regina, the incredible host and hostess of House of X, joined us for a good six months at the start of the pandemic. And that began something that was a little unusual. The show went from what it had always been, which was, in my mind, a focus on what made the 70s classic X-Men so cool that I was so eager to share with, you know, my, uh, you know, my cub, my, uh, my little dude, Jonah, that I really wanted to see those sorts of things uh, talked about in in the ways that I'd hoped for. And before I knew it, we we became this like army um, because so many of us needed a family. 
uh, at the start or in the pandemic. And it's a uh, show contributor Arturo, who's still coming on and looking fine. Uh, and he'll be on later today. That's a blast. Uh, Josh, Rod, of course, the incredible Nathan. Uh, so many of these contributors were on the show for so long. And uh, over time, the family just sort of like reshaped and it was a great time to refocus what X's for show is and it's become about a lot more than just comic books but one of the things that that means is it's more than just comic books but that still means comics are in the mix and it's been a minute it's been a minute and uh you know i think in some ways that's been a good thing uh i I love to open up a book, read through it, and then just gab incessantly. Uh, but I've done a lot of that in my day, and I'm lucky enough to have many people in my life for whom I can do that with on a personal level. Uh, but I was realizing as we were getting into this last like six months especially that my critique was always the same, which is like, oh, I think this is going to need a few issues to breathe. Or this is a five-issue mini, and I feel bad evaluating it on issue one. And then by the time we get to issue two, if there's something that feels off, maybe it will be resolved by issue five, but we're not really going to know. And so the weekly trend just kind of has felt like it's been making less and less sense lately. Yeah. Really? But we're in a really good place right now. We're, we're in a really important place because two major Marvel events in comics have just ended. Uh, one major event is kind of coming to some kind of close. That's Daredevil, which is not done yet. And uh, there he is. Maddie, we love you so much. Uh we think you two deserve an island just like the X-Men, but I feel like your island is not long for this world. It's inexplicably called Purgatorio in a sea called the Sea of Hellish Sins. I don't know, but I found it on the map. The map is How do we get here? Catholic you had that guilt. locked and loaded, didn't you? <sighs> and then, you know, we've got a bunch of little ones, too. Like this, this week, Strange Academy ended. Uh, and while that's a much smaller event on Marvel Comics scale, it's been you know if you count the original 18 issue series uh that's been a big one and so you know i'm pretty stoked that we are here to chat a little bit now kevo uh yeah. oh, sorry you're over here so kevo one of my questions for you then becomes you've always kept comics at an attractive arm's length like and i mean an attractive arm's length you're not like oh comics yeah. aren't for me you're like I don't know how to read these monthly. I could it's a use, lot. yeah, I could use a um, an outside perspective, you know, a lot of the time. So, you know, and an inside perspective, someone saying, you know, what they think about it from the outside world, what they think about it from fandom. And how do you feel knowing that we're talking about the fact that between now and two months from now, 23 books are ending? Yeah, I noticed that in the material that I was preparing. Uh, uh, one of the final slides where you addressed how many titles there are. That was uh, a shocking list. Uh, and, you know, things end. We don't like to think about it, but they do. And sometimes things end in 
odd little gluts all together. Um, I forget what other things there were, but there were a few things that ended uh, right around the same time, like Magicians, Modern Family, um, and it was right at the start of Pando, so it especially felt kind of, oh, but, you know, there's, if you look, sometimes there just are these concentrations where it just is a, a clean sweep, and... Is there a plan? Is there something coming? Is that what it is? Or is it okay. just a bunch of stuff got axed? So, Which is, you know, very gauche way of putting. I apologize. Well, no, that's where no, I'm That's at. really the big question. I'm personally in a, a bit of a quandary because I feel like the thing that brought me back to the Marvel Universe in a modern way was the promise of a limitlessness of X-Men. The idea that nothing held X-Men back from being uh, hyper potential, right? Like, I sometimes worry that we over-commodify youth and beauty and we under-commodify the extreme and unique. And one of the things about the extreme is that the extreme winds up telling us stories that are going to dictate what we think going forward. You know, I think about fashion. I think about big fashion. I think about guys like Christian Siriano and how he's so accessible. But if you look at his runway shows, they're not fucking accessible. They, he does over the top and insane and, you know, couturier because he is someone who understands that you created the extreme and then it resolves into something understandable. That was for me the Jonathan Hickman era of X-Men, specifically that 12 issues that represent Hoxpox, for me felt limitless in that every move was a big move every move was dragging your dick on the ground and like not that i feel that the things since have been less impressive but they've been a lot more about holding the line and i find that we've now entered a period where instead of saying guys do a run that changes everything some people are told take your time you can do an era you can do like a the kieran gillen era the ben percy era you've got time and then a lot of other people, like Teeny Howard, is told, you had your time. You've got five issues. Do it. And, like, mm. it's starting to cause a real dissonance for me in the cohesive projection of the lines. And Teeny Howard's a great example because when you look at a book like Excalibur, that really was that limitless potential that you're talking about. And it was very weird and it was a lot of like, uh, but what if normalized X-Men everyday life just involved a relationship with Otherworld wherein like random teen characters could just cross over, cross like, you know, take the external gate and be hey, in trinary and have adventures. Yeah, like, you know, any random character could be part of a big adventure that was kind of mind blowing and you know, that characters would encounter concepts and ideas that are usually reserved for, like, this very specific arc that happens and then is done. It just felt very, very you know, limitless is a great word for it. Uh, and by contrast, while I think somebody like Ben Percy has a lot of really cool ideas they are really, really insular and to themselves. And, you know, I think exploring something like the nature of uh, Beast's darkness is really important. It's gone on a very long time. Uh, and it is 
not showing up in the pages of Immortal or Legion of X. Uh, you know, the characters involved are the characters involved and nobody else. And it's just feeling less and less like go anywhere and go everywhere and more like uh you're either a, a ben percy or a jerry duggan where it's like you know go where you want we're not worried about you or you are somebody who's been given a five issue mini and uh i hope you can tell me pretty succinctly in issue one where we will be ending in issue five because we will not be taking any big swings today Speaking of big swings and today, Kevo, this is a really great opportunity to show off all of that beautiful artwork you put together for our show week after week. Those who don't know Kevo is our amazing producer. He might have less to say about comics, but he's been making this show look fucking fly since day one. And uh, I could not thank him enough. So the end of an era for Marvel, we certainly don't mean like, is Marvel doomed? We no. mean like, it's about to change, Eras, right? Like. Know? Anyone who's ever flipped a tarot card, anyone who's ever flipped a tarot card knows that death just means restart. Since the Sinister ended this week, uh, the Avenger, I mean, Jason Aaron's Avengers run, but like, you know, the Avengers Assemble event, which was the last 10 issues of this enormous run, ended two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Recently. Uh, Daredevil is ending soon. Um, And, you know, we're, we're coming into Fall of X, which... I think we all sort of feel like is probably not going to be they all go back to Westchester, uh, but might be a really big status quo shift on the island. You know, we, we don't we don't quite know yet, but this feels like the end of the, you know, for Avengers, it was really the post endgame story what are the Avengers in comics after the most recognizable incarnation of the Avengers has become the, the uh, film Avengers? Well, so let's start getting those slides up then so we can keep going with what you're saying. Kevin, would you mind bringing up the Avengers slide? Yeah. Uh, Avengers. That's this one. Yeah, it is. Just we have the images ready. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, you know, we... this. Aaron's run was one that I did not read for a long time going into it. And it was really Nico, of course, who convinced me, which was so much of my non X-Men reading comic experience over the last couple of years. But what strikes you about this run, as soon as you start reading it is it really feels like it is there to welcome in uh, MCU Avengers fans and to sort of let them know how comics can be more expansive and out there and can use their much longer, broader continuity and the fact that they don't have VFX budgets to tell stories that, you know, the comics can't. But so much of this, you know, the whole thing, the whole run ends up being about, like, uh, what it means to be an Iron Man and what it means to be a Tony Stark uh, and what it means to be uh, like a pillar of the Avengers. And that was such an important thing coming out of uh, the MCU. He has told this whole story. It started in, in 2018, 2019. Um, and it, you know, they wrapped up completely. This, it had a, final ending and now 
we're restarting and it's Jed McKay's turn. It's a totally, you know, there's not, we're not picking up with the same team. We're not picking up with, I think, any plot lines to start. Uh, but it, we're, we're still the Avengers. Well, so to go over what we're going to cover today, Kevin, would you mind flipping back a slide or two? We're going to take a look at how the Avenger, uh, the X-Men are entering a new era with a complete reset. And then we're going to be taking a look at the Avengers and their reset as well. As TK mentioned, this is a dynamic time for the Avengers to reset and a really significant point. We're also going to be taking a look, Kevo, if you would flip to the next, at the major reset point for Daredevil and Punisher and all of the ways in which these two titles have intermingled for so long and yet still have a giant giant hole ahead of them with how either of them are going to move forward. Really exciting time to talk about for them. Coming up after that, we have another slide, which is going to talk a little bit about the, uh, I guess, event that we maybe didn't realize was actually this serious, uh, Captain America Cold War, which is going to kill off two Captain America books and a friend who we assume kind of has to be Bucky because everyone else is in the solicits. And then lastly, we're going to be taking a look at just the general turnover at Marvel. While there's definitely first issues out there like Blade, a crazy number of titles are ending, as well as a number of titles getting a weird number of reprints and familiar ground being retread. So I do believe, just one moment, guys, I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. I was having some uh, weird computer problems. Just needed to reset real quick. So, uh, all right. And now I know we're going to be bringing in some voices, but before we can get there, Keva, was there anything else you had wanted to say just from the outside looking in on these comics? Um, I'm excited to hear all the uh, lowdown with all of this, um, with everything that's going on with Daredevil in the MCU uh, and Punisher uh, and Echo, all of this. So much is going on in the MCU right now that I'm really excited to see what they're going to uh, want to be doing with these characters for sure. Um, and just everything in general. Uh, this this one has me nervous. Well, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, we can't wait to hear more from you a little bit later on and uh, we'll uh, have you back in uh, whenever you're ready. Sounds good. All right. TK, it has been a weird ride getting here. And one of the things that I think has me the most frustrated is how quickly we find ourselves in an age where it's all the same creators on all the same titles over and over again. I see that it's, you know, even though we love some of these creators like Ben Percy on, you know, Ghost Rider, him on Ghost Rider and X-Men. All right. Kieran Gillen on Eternals and X-Men. All right. Jerry Duggan on Iron Man and X-Men. All right. We enter this point where it's just become so mono voce that we really, I don't know, I wind up searching for something new. Yeah. Um, and when you say searching for something new, unfortunately, it kind of is not like I start picking up a different Marvel book because... Uh, it's all like there's not a lot of new stuff happening um and i i i love all of these creators but i just sort of 
I'm not feeling the same buy-in that I felt at the start of uh, this era, or even you know I don't even want to say at the start because I don't I don't like it when people call it the Hickman era. Uh, I'm not feeling the same buy-in that I was even feeling a year ago. Like I'm not feeling the same buy-in I was feeling from these creators at the start of their series. Yeah, you know, we've been trying to pinpoint the moment where maybe X-Men lost its flow. And I know for a lot of people, it was uh, Inferno. I know you've mentioned that. But I know we've also talked about, like, for me, it was the lead-up to Ten of Swords. Something that I think about uh, a lot more than I should is... Because, you know, there's a there's a point at which you should stop listening to the people that created stuff. <laughs> and I'm thinking about uh, some of the stuff Chris Claremont has said in the last couple of years. And something he said on that amazing X-Men... Um, whatever the Koa fuck anniversary it was um, where he said that the worst thing that the X-Men have ever done, the worst thing Chris Claremont ever did in his entire career was create the X crossover. And I agree because the thing that made Marauders and because it was X-Men Marauders, uh, Excalibur, New Mutants, X-Force, Fallen Angels, which uh, uh, again, I remember that it was that because uh, it spelled X-Men <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason that was so engaging was because they were all doing their own things. They kind of like touched each other, but they didn't like obsess on each other. And the thing that wound up happening is everything wound up building toward arcs and building toward stories and some stuff like Steve Orlando. I don't know how Steve Orlando's name didn't come up or Steve Fox. Wow. A lot of, a lot of gay Steves. So um, we have, all of this stuff going on with these, even these secondary titles, it would seem. And nothing's really moving forward. The excitement of Marauders early on under Duggan was that it was moving forward. The excitement of early Hickman X-Men was that it was moving forward. But then we get to a lot of these second wave of titles, a lot of these second volumes. And I feel like they're all trying to have rock star run moments. And something I said to you in the car this afternoon when we were like talking and I was driving home from work and we were prepping for the episode, I said that for me, the X-Men always needs to be a soundtrack. It always needs to be 18 unique songs that come together to paint a cool picture that sound like they belong together. But right now, for me, the X-Men feels like a now that's what I call music. It feels like there's a bunch of good songs, like really good songs, all of them, piled together, but I don't feel like any of them are painting a cohesive picture of the X world for me. And, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I've been okay with it for this couple of years, this run that we've had, I've just kind of been sitting on it, but looking at fall of X makes me not so certain that we're not about to be doing more of the same yeah. Um, and like the the one author on there that I'm really excited to see being brought in that is kind of like a disruptive voice, if you will, is Torin Grunbeck. Yeah, truly. Uh, with Realm of X, which seems like a really cool story. But I also know that it's um, kind of new mutants set apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and it's got Mary in it. So, I mean, we're going to have a blast no matter. I mean, and that's the thing, like we're, we may be sounding a little critical, a little down, uh, but at the end of the day, we're going to read them. And I, and, and even if it's a book where I'm like, I'm worried that it's not going to be part of this cohesive whole that we're talking about. I still think it's going to be a really good book. 
uh, it's going to have Typhoid Mary in it, so it's going to be a blast. It's by a creator that I like. But, you know, when I look at the the names, there's a lot of Jerry Duggan. Um, there's, you know, still a lot of Ben Percy doing the same titles that he's doing. Kieran Gillen's on the same book. Al Ewing's on the same book. Uh, we're, we're missing Cy Spurrier in Legion of X, which was one of my real favorites. So I, I'm sad to lose it. <laughs> it won the shit out of our bracketeering. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, it's not, it's not that I think any of these will be bad. It's just that I don't know. My sort of energy and excitement isn't in the same place. And I find that we spend a lot of the time like waiting for the next announcement uh and looking at solicits rather than and trying to figure out like where where are we going uh where i i it, for me it was inferno uh after inferno was really where i started to be like i'm not really sure where we're going and that feeling uh of not being quite as okay not knowing has been happening since then because I feel like what we've hit is we've hit the solicit era. Yeah. We've hit this period of time where, because the problem is that the news cycle on a title is over before the title has even come out. What's more important than creating a great book is creating a great buzz. And a great buzz has a lot to do with the hallmarks of storytelling that we're used to. And uh, sort of, iconoclastically confronting them. So, you know, I don't know that Beast being a villain is as interesting in application as the solicits and the cool covers make Beast being a villain seem. I don't know that Cassandra Nova joining the X-Men has actually done all that much that having Cassandra Nova on the cover of an X-Book didn't already accomplish. So I'm sort of stuck with wondering are we making dramatic changes dramatic choices and progressing storytelling exclusively for a sense of shock value because once the shock wears off we've, we're looking for the next shock i don't mean that like it's all like you know shock death but like it is a little bit like <gasps> but then once the solicit's over what's next and in the individual issues, what are we reading? What are we seeing? How is it all playing out? Um, I, I just, it, it also, uh, you know, another big thing is it felt like we went from judgment day to just, we knew sins of sinister was coming and we were all just kind of treading water to get there. Um, kind of confused about what books were continuing and what books were ending so like am i investing in this one or not uh how how did all the big concepts that got started in hoxpox come into play and should we expect that we are buying into those further or are we pulling back from them um i, I you know one of the big things is i think all x-men fans are in a constant state of like fear that we're not sure how long this time on the island is going to last uh and we're not really sure it's that's been such a big status quo change in and of itself that we don't know what the next thing would be uh and i think everybody's sort of in this place of like uh i need i would really like to know like are we for sure staying like can i unpack my bags or 
do I need to get ready for us to go? Well, speaking of unpacking your bags, getting comfortable, and getting set up, let's bring in somebody who knows all about these titles, has been covering them with us on the show since, uh, I, like I said, day one. Uh, Jonah, it would be great to hear what you think about what's going on with the X titles. Hey, buddy, where are you from? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at the Remnants of the Quiet Council after it's been basically chopped and deleted and a couple of them have been eliminated. Uh, you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. And what do I think about all of this? Well, it's very similar to certain properties of I need to know what exactly the effect of this is going to be, because ultimately it felt like it led to nothing. Uh, I don't know if Sins or Sinister ended in a way that was fully satisfying for me. I really enjoyed this, essentially what is an alternate timeline, the Moira 11 life, uh, and kind of what this went through and, you know, these... Uh, extra thousand years that we got of storytelling that we kind of just skipped for selective purposes. I'm a little unsure over everything because it feels like Sinister still won. Because Mother Righteous. Mother Righteous is a Sinister. So Sinister still won. And a Sinister achieved Dominion. So a Sinister still won. Yeah, so it's Sinister. Two different Sinisters have won. And essentially there's nothing really we can do anything about that. Hey, handsome. I'm Robbie. Hey, Robbie. I mean, that even, that's like something I'm kind of okay with. Uh, the the Sinisters winning. I think that that is an interesting seed planted kind of. it's. I feel two ways about it at, this, uh, at all times. It's like, uh, on the one hand, in and of itself, it's, it's interesting to me. On the other hand, Man, Kieran Gillen, you really don't want to stop with the Sinisters, huh? <laughs> like, it's been so much. It's been since San Francisco. Uh, and I, I loved it then. I still do like a lot of it, but I'm like, you know, you write other really good characters. I think you write other really good villains. And, um, I, um, and I, I liked majority of this since the Sinister run. There are plenty of things I found fascinating. I love seeing old commander storm basically as the lead of storm in the brotherhood of uh mutants i liked seeing much mother righteous's perspective all throughout nightcrawlers but it does feel like part of the problem is well how exactly do you beat mother righteous because even in an alternate timeline she still won and there comes a point of well then what's the point of doing any of this if she's unbeatable i think that's even kind of the question of the nature of advancing storytelling. And I'm going to say something that's a little unfortunate, but I maybe think print corporate comics are broken. And I don't know that there is value in putting them back together. I think there's value in rebuilding. I think there's value in doing something new, but like I started the joke with, yeah, I know I, I shaved my beard for like the first time in like 15 years uh, just to do something different. Just because it's my face and I can do something different with it. But corporate comics seem to be incapable of remembering they can be something different. And we've talked a lot about the nature of the boutique run versus what we might call the corporate committee design run. And the boutique run is something uh, beautiful like um, Legion of X 
And the designed run is something cool, like the Duggan run. And the way they've fused together the homogenization, you know, it's it's that joke from Studio 60, because, you know, let's mention something that will get nominated for script, because Camelot won't. So, um, uh, you know, it's when you film in Ontario, it looks like Detroit, Ohio. Wait, is Detroit in Ohio? It's Boston, California. Boston, California. Thank you. I knew you'd get it. I knew you'd know the quote. Yeah. It looks like Boston, California. And that's not a place. And I feel like because we've homogenized and we've sort of split it apart, we're winding up in a place where I don't feel committed to either. One of the big things for me, too, is we never really got that thing that we were always asking for, which is the life and times of all the other people that are on the island there's like a few really big moments where somebody uh makes a point of saying like two-thirds of the people here are non-combatants like they 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 don't have offensive powers they are not useful in a fight and we even a book like you know district x back in the day that was about mutant town and yeah it followed bishop and sage uh and was not or it didn't follow sage it was just bishop uh it followed bishop and it was you know a still an action book but you got glimpses into lives by drilling in and it has felt like uh there's been a real investment in tying the x-men to other stuff that's happening in marvel comics in a way that is always pushing them facing out out towards the audience out towards the rest of marvel which is cool uh there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there but it just means they're always looking away from the island paradise that we were all brought to and told that was a pretty cool thing which i agree that it is so you know, Jonah, that actually leads me to a question uh, that only you can answer. It's a uniquely Jonah experience. But uh, you had the balls uh, to go back and read an extraordinary amount of Power Pack lately. Uh, yes. And well, so as we're talking about it, you're like, uh, you're showing me like some of the covers. I'm like, you know, we actually covered a bunch of this on the show in the last couple of months, uh, talking about Power Pack. And I was like, oh, by the way, just so you know, a bunch of that Mark Summerack stuff uh, kind of can't be canon exactly because here Julie Powers in footy pajamas and over there she is a sexually active 25 <laughs> So how does that, uh, like, you know, these resets, these restarts, trying to go back, you're reading Power Pack in pieces and, like, in segments and, like, making a puzzle out of it. How does that impact your reading, knowing that, like, that could happen to Krakoa at this point? Well, one, I need to slightly defend myself. Not that anything needs defense. I'm all, I had to go back and read Power Pack because anybody who's also reading the Marvel Love Infinity comic oh, knows yeah. that Gwenpool was in a relationship with Julie. And they're kind of talking about some very interesting things with Gwenpool potentially being asexual. Um, so that's really why I had to start reading it because I was like, well, I have to know about Julie Power if she's going to be kissing on Gwenpool. But it comes a point of 
I don't know exactly what's going on here. I don't mind the idea of filling in these stories, like the Mark Summerack stuff, being a little bit weird in terms of continuity because the stuff coming out in the early aughts where they're shown as these, you know, 13, 14 year olds, a 10 year old, and then a six year old. I have no idea if Katie is six, but she acts like she's six. I, I assume that's the Molly age syndrome. range. Yeah, it's Molly from um, The Runaways, where she's some sort of like eight, 14, seven. And part of that, um, it gets a little bit weird about what is continuity, what isn't continuity. With Power Pack, I can kind of maybe understand if they're trying to fill in stories of when they were younger, if that's where they're a little bit more marketable, as opposed to when they're a little bit older and they're not so unique anymore, where Power Pack is a bunch of super-powered kids, and that's the, like the kids' book, and they're with all these Avengers and the X-Men and Wolverine and Spider-Man and Thor. They have been teamed up with everybody. It's actually insane. Um, it gets a little weird of what is or isn't real. And you get a little bit, I get a little bit concerned of, all right, what should we be following? Part of the problem with Sins of Sinister is you had other titles going on concurrently. You had New Mutants, uh, you exactly. had Rogue and Gambit, where it it's confusing because the other X titles, okay, I understand where these can all kind of concurrently happen. That makes sense. It's all separate people, but they're all interacting with the island in certain ways. And you can kind of understand, like, maybe this happened this week, this happened that week. That part's fine. But now we're getting, con I'm confused of, well, how is this all happening? How is all this all happening concurrently? That's where I think the problem since the Sinister lies, where... If they want to do something like this, it kind of needs to be like a Ten of Swords event where you have to have every book kind of going into it. And that sucks to say your title is paused while we do this event. But that's what happens if you want to do something like Sins of Sinister. I know continuity is weird and sliding and certain things might be canon, some things might be not, some might be wishy-washy. All of that can be fine, but you kind of have to commit to a certain style. You can't really go through this alternate timeline and have these co other concurrent books you kind of have to have one or the other it's either all books or everything at the same time or you're doing a special event where you can take a moment and so i, I do think that's where maybe marvel went in a per personally a little bit of a wrong direction for this kind of style of thing you know power pack going back and reading these stories and like you can fill in these stories of these are their kids and you know happening when it's when they're younger that kind of works but it doesn't really work here when it's a massive event that you know where power pack doesn't change anything and they don't really have an effect on anybody except for the fact that jack power is worthy versus <laughs> and the fact that they think that beta ray bill is an actual horse i feel like i've actually read a, a scruff profile that says horseman jack power worthy um uh, yeah, uh, you know, rearrange that sentence. You can make your own adult content with that. Uh, I think, yeah, that's the point I, I'd kind of want to make. Of like, you can go back and fill in certain things, but then you're you have to realize of what is or isn't the big effect. Now, Teek, you've lived through you know um, Age of Apocalypse, Age of Ultron, Every Age, Age of X. Uh, you know, it is you. Have, you're a fine wine. Happy birthday. Point. Happy Very birthday! Neat. Fan favorite! Work! Um, so, listen, I want to know, how do you feel? Because you were more positive on Sins of Sinister in general than I was. Not like, you know, you you were anything. But like, I was very, 
from the start. And I feel like your positivity was necessary because I did get more out of it than I thought I would. But how are you feeling sitting on the other side of Sins of Sinister feeling like I feel like this could have been an annual. This could have been three annuals, maybe. I did not need 11 or 12 issues. At the end of the day, that is the thing. I did not need uh, 11 issues. Um, I A four-issue mini, maybe? Um, I, I An extra large... Uh, Outferno? 100%. Infern, yes? I, it was a great story. Um, you know, and Jonah, to your point, like this was very much an attempt to have your cake and eat it too. Stupid expression. Why would you have a cake you can't eat? But, um, they, this is a reset event. So you actually technically can do it and it doesn't really matter when it is. Cause as far as everybody's the distance, what's that? You could go the distance if you have you can go for the... speed. Right. If... Um, herbal hibiscus. It. I was just drinking some. Um, it, it, we reset the same minute they all leave on the adventure. So, you know, how this affects X-Force and Wolverine doesn't matter, which then brings us to like, well, then why do I care? Um, you know, if we can have this whole thing be such a reset, uh, you, we did all this so I could take away like three or four key facts. Um, really cool story, gorgeous art, really interesting things happened. Uh, but events like this, where <laughs> thank you, everybody, it's a good, it's a classic. You should go listen to it. We love cake uh, songs. And a long jacket. <laughs> so proud of you right now. So proud. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just for all the positivity that I have about it, I I do feel bothered by uh, and then everybody woke up events. Because, and, you know, oh, I want to actually compare it to something that we've covered on the show before and that I, I know we're very generally positive on and maybe we can certainly try to figure out why it maybe works there comparative to here but you look at something like the heroes reborn event that ultimately didn't mean anything because it was an while being an alternate universe and the main major takeaway of that was mephisto was plotting something with other mephistos thinking hey you know look at this world without avengers but what if all of us mephistos work together and that was literally the entirety of that the point of that entire event there was no other reason for it because besides it being an alternate timeline, it gets essentially reset to there are Avengers again. Um, but I feel like it worked a lot better there. And maybe it's because the stakes were artificially high for a place you're not meant to care about, but the stakes become high when you have the threat of Mephisto. I don't know. Maybe the, that works because Mephisto seems like a threat. Mother Righteous. Yeah, I don't know if Mother Righteous is a threat, because I don't know if Mother Righteous has realized she cannot reach Dominion currently. I just need to say, number one, Kevo, your comment game, getting this stuff onto the screen is out of control today. So Nailing good. it. Um, and, you know, Jonah, I really want to, to your point, what makes this less effective for me? I think what makes this less effective for me is... The momentum on X-Men set by Hoxpox was such that this felt 
like a distraction and it felt like a tribute distraction. Heroes Reborn might have shared the name Heroes Reborn with another event, but it really wasn't anything like that event. And this was meant to reflect powers in House of Ten. And it does, you know, the 10, 100, 1,000 years, oh, our amazing coverage, right? Um, it does reflect those time periods for sure, but it's touching back on somebody else's story. And when Moira was made evil in the pages of Inferno, I didn't like how that touched back on Hickman's story. And to that end, I want to bring up something that has me kind of bothered. Why is it if you like science in the Marvel, in the X-Men universe right now, you must be a supervillain? Because there is nothing I care about less than Beast being evil. There is truly no story in the X-Books right now less interesting, and it has nothing to do with what Ben Percy is doing, and everything to do with the fact that no other book is even acknowledging it. What's the point of making one of the most beloved, like I would say Beast is at least number three, of your original five, and none for Xavier By, of your original five, Beast's probably at least number three, if not number yep. two, because a lot of people do have some feelings about Gene and Scott, where they might cancel or something. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. Right? So why is nobody going like, oh, shit. And I'm Beast pretty sure is like Angel is number five on everyone's list. Yes. Yeah, because like he right now really is kind of like Hank McMangala, and I don't think it's really working that nobody else is acknowledging the atrocities being committed by this formerly beloved teddy bear man. Yeah, I I care so much more. I 12 issues of let's finally have it out with Beast. Uh I, I Kevo says I do love Nick Holt Hank. I I feel a certain way about that character. Uh as a guy who Nick picks Holt's things fault. up with his feet, I really relate. <laughs> My problems are not Nick Holt's fault. Uh, he's doing his best. Um, I so much more care about uh, a 12 issues of dealing with if this is Beast finally going over the edge than I do about if Sinister gonna Sinister one more time. Um, because spoiler alert, of course he is. Uh, but yeah, if we're just doing... 36 issues of X-Force and then like at uh, 30 some odd issues of Wolverine to get to the point that, yeah, Beast has really turned into a bad guy, but it never is mentioned once outside the pages of those two books. Gene doesn't have anything to say about that in the pages of X-Men. You know, Trish Tilby's not talking about that somewhere on the mainland. Come on. Like there, this is, this is hugely important where, Sinister doing one more zany thing, just as cool and as fun as the story might be, it is not very important because that's the only thing that he ever does. He is both Pinky and the Brain right now. Yes. And watching that play out as a segment in Animaniacs is great. But if you're not going to add Larry or Elmira, it's just not going to work long term. No Pinky and the Brain and Larry people. No Pinky and the Brain and Elmira. This is like when I was the only one with 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo all over. No, I love Animaniacs. So, uh, Billy Holiday, I love him. So, um, so okay. Beast sucks. Uh, Kevo, would you mind bringing up that X-Men slide for us? So, 
one of the things that has me so excited about this X-Men slide is that we can see so much of the X-Men universe is going to be reborn. And I love that. But at the same time, this officially feels like a line push, not a cool new idea. I don't feel like this is because it was time for a crossover. And the stories are there. I feel like, uh, guys, we got to bring up the bottom line. It's time for a crossover. Everybody, let's get on that boat. Let's start doing it. Everybody, you're going to relaunch all of your titles. New number ones for everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I don't feel like this was born of a creative expression. I feel like this was born out of a financial directive. And uh, I'm burnt out on number ones. I'm burnt out on jumping on points. Because I feel like books either run forever with a million jumping on points. So it feels like nothing ever gets finished out. Or everything gets a new number one every five issues. How are you guys feeling about the fact that everything is relaunching? I am not... Uh, terribly happy about that. I am a little annoyed that things se can't seem to get past five or six issues uh, unless you're, you know, X-Force or Wolverine. It feels like we're constantly like, alright, everybody, hit the brakes. Alright, you want to do something long overarching? No, we can't do that. We don't have time anymore. You only get six issues. That thing that you maybe wanted to do or you could you could possibly do over 12 nope we can't do that anymore we got to reset doesn't matter where your story was going we're just resetting all and singles no albums all gas no breaks and it does feel almost stifling in a way that you have to do these shorter form stories because you really they're not really giving them out for at least what it seems like the x characters and that kind of feels a little bit like a shame. And I understand part of that is there's a billion and a half different kind of mutants and everybody wants to see their favorite Z-lister at least once in a title. And there's nothing specifically wrong with that. But I do feel like, are the X-Men getting too big for their britches where they have to have so many titles and they have to have so many uh, resets because there's just too many and there's just too many stories to tell. Yeah, uh, you know, these eras within eras, the Realm of X, the Destiny of X, now the Fall of X, I am tired of doing it this way. Labor Day of X. Imagine how, of X. Imagine how tired we are. Imagine how tired we are. Imagine how tired we are of it. Yeah, I mean, I just like... Uh, it's not, I just, it, I, I feel rudderless and I'm just not really, it's so weird. I feel rudderless and yet like this is saying specifically like we have a direction. I feel like meta textually rudderless because each of these things is like, okay, we are going to the new era. Um, but it's that thing of like, it's all solicits. It's all read about it and then guess what's going to happen and then when it actually happens it's a little bit muted and and you find that the the issues that we're talking about were like oh okay it's a lot of five issue minis that don't seem super relevant and it's a lot of like treading water in the pages of the main ongoing story and like when we find out what the next event is after fall of x we will know what ultimately the books will get us towards as they kind of lightly paddle towards it. 
I, I agree. It feels like they're flashing a lot of lights at us saying like, hey, look over here. And it's, you know, these 10 different issues following these 10 different stories that don't have a lot of interconnectivity. Like, hey, come read us. Look at us over here. This me with the imaginary flashlight. And then there's one big like alarm floodlight that's like, hey, this is what we're all leading up to. But you have to think, well, I don't see the wires between those lights. Why? How are they connected? And they're like, well, we don't know. But you have to care about this now. Uh, it feels like a lot of telling us what we have to care about, what we have to do, as opposed to the joy of kind of just exploring a lot. I feel like we're just missing a lot of fun mediums to explore with the idea of this island nation of Krakoa. And we can't get to enjoy the island nation of Krakoa because why would we ever? Because, well, the X-Men is a soap opera. Yeah. Well, you know, the nature of soap operas for me is the accessibility and freedom to bring back characters who look totally different. And that's something the X-Men love to do. They love to bring people back in new iterations. That was something I kind of hoped for from Sins of Sinister. People would come back different. But instead, I got like nine Marvel Snap variants for Emma Frost and nothing else. Okay, but... You know, Emma Frost and Emeka was the greatest thing that we were ever been gifted. And I, I almost wish we got even more issues of Immoral X-Men, just so I can see how all the Quiet Council kind of just turned on and became solo. Uh, I find that fascinating of mixing the personalities of each of these characters with Sinister. What does that create? That actually is a very fascinating and interesting concept, but we don't have enough time to explore that. You know, I think one of the most fascinating things that came out of that was Exodus turning on hope. We don't we we don't get to really like enjoy that and get to uh you know get to get to uh I don't know what I'm going with this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the I, meta, I don't know I don't know the metaphor I'm going with this, but I don't think we got to enjoy it in its fullity. I completely get that. You know, one of the things we're talking about is the idea that when a story happens, you want the opportunity to engage with it. One of the things that made classic X-Men magic and why people keep going back to those Claremont stories is because the Claremontisms are specifically born of 30 days to, to gestate. But because the turnover speed has increased exponentially, we're at a point where in storytelling technique, your best bet is to keep it moving so fast that there isn't time for those intimate moments. So then you kind of have to pack them in, in, in vaguely unnatural ways. I'm glad for things like getting Rasputin 4 from all of this, but it sort of feels to me like the price of getting cool characters like Rasputin 4 in fascinating new ways is characters like Colossus had to become more boring than ever. And I just don't know that that was the trade-off I wanted to make. It's what I'm willing to make, please don't get me wrong. But as far as the right trade, time will tell. And, uh, you know, speaking of time will tell, I would love to bring in a voice that's been rocking it with us for quite some time and uh, get this uh, get this party really cooking. Let's uh, let's go and bring in a fourth voice and bring in the it's amazing cooking. Arturo, who uh, has, it, has adopted a number four. I do love it. Yeah, I have to claim it. Uh, let's get this roast cooking. All right. Hi, all. Where can everybody find you? You already know I'm Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, not a lot of Instagram these days, but hoping to get back. Um, but I'm usually spewing out whatever thought 
crosses my mind on Twitter. So, well, we are thrilled to have you. Now, we've all kind of said that we thought Sins of Sinister turned out to be kind of a lot of ballyhoo about absolutely nothing. Uh, where are you at with Sins of Sinister all 11 in? Listen, I would do a whole other 11 issues if that's what it took to get rescued in the fourth onto into the 616. Um, that's that's my prize from the whole event. I enjoyed it for what it is. I I love uh, I love a good Age of Apocalypse kind of riff uh, where everything goes horribly wrong and you see people being their absolute worst. It's just a, a trope that I think is fun. Um, so I enjoyed this. I felt like it was doing a lot of stuff across the different books. Um, but I'm happy with where we landed. I'm glad that, that we wrapped it up and I'm glad that we got a hell of a door prize on our way out. And she is the door prize of the century. Don't get me wrong. I am here for the Rasputin of it all. But uh, like a chimera specifically designed to drive Kate Pride insane, right? Which, like, it's yeah, just... It is like, the... It, it, it took Kate up maybe a page and a half to be like, duh, hi, hi, who are you? So, I think the thing that has me frustrated is that we're at a point where print comics for the big two are selling, like, an all-time low. We're seeing, uh, you know, sort of diminishing returns in the online discussion, and there's a lot of things going on that lead me to think this has been one of the biggest time buys in recent memory. This really felt like they said fall of X has to be the fall event. Do we have, do we have a year of publishing between now and then? No. All right. We Let's can make one. Exactly. I don't know that in a world where I'm getting daredevil and punisher, Two books that are legitimately burning the house down every single month. I have the patience for this following Judgment Day, following Ten Lives and Deaths of Wolverine, following Inferno, following so many things where nothing has happened in um, so long. I agree with that save Inferno, right? I, I think Inferno did a lot of, of character assassination. A bit of character assassination, but it definitely moved the narrative forward. Moved the narrative forward in a way that neither the other events that you said did. Like X lives and and deaths of Wolverine, and you know I love Ben Percy. I'm a Ben Percy apologist. He's great, Same. but I could have done without that whole thing that really amounted to nothing. Inferno was also four issues long. Like that's and that's right. one of the things we're talking about is like some of these right. things will take if they are and Sins of Sinister I felt would have really been solid as four issues. Exactly. Um, yeah. They could have in, swapped. Like we could have done a twelve issue Inferno and yeah. you know, five issues um, this. And it just it's so often is like it's not about that the story is bad or that the writing is bad, it's that the cohesion isn't there and it's that something is missing from the editorial process. Business decisions feel like they weigh very heavy when we look at these events. And I just that the takeaways are so few, um, you know, that nobody remembers who they were. Uh, like that this is I, the, 
I would have loved to have seen, especially the the four that go in the pit, remembering who they had been because it was a dark place for all of them. But like, also like horrifyingly beautiful. Like that Charles become his like cult is the Dreamers, and that they all are just sort of enact this like uh, horrific nonviolence that exodus weaponizes belief and betrays his messiah for exodus today to know that he is capable of just abandoning hope if he tires of her uh for emma to know that like there's a part of her that is that vapid and desiring of conquest like for all of them to have reset taking this stuff with them could have been a really cool opportunity because otherwise i don't know how we ever move charles past what a horrible person he has become um and you know i just i'm bummed that we got mother righteous taking this all home with her which is cool uh sinister but then the the coolest thing of, of the entire event is sinister's uh uh motivations changing so drastically um such a cool moment because gillen has been writing him the same very well but the same since san francisco and so to see him have that humble moment where he's screaming i am nothing i'm like oh that's an interesting change oh they just put him in the pit and we're not really (laughs) so you know i just like that our takeaways were so few is is a real tough resolution to 12 issues that just kind of stopped everything but i don't think i don't think that we've seen the end of like ripples from this honestly. oh definitely like, not i i wouldn't be surprised if uh if wolverine nightcrawler i forgot what her what her name was the, wagnerine wagnerine um like Possibly she and her child survived this whole thing. There's a yep. panel that kind of indicates that, like, we might get more. Uh, we have Mother Righteous. I mean, that right there is a huge spanner in the works that could lead to exactly what you're saying, like, people remembering what happened. Um, I'm also really glad that we got Storm being just, like, quite literally a goddess, I thought was pretty cool. I think my concern is that because I'm only just the the fact that it is 11 issues and it costs something to purchase like $60. Yeah. It feels to me like $60 for the average person as we are entering a recession should yield more content than it does. And I am all for these minor things, but like I look back on, you know, uh, 10 of swords less than three years ago and I can barely point to things from it anymore, especially with the return of the Apocalypse family. And I see things like how Lives and Deaths of Wolverine meant kind of nothing. And how Inferno could have been three pages. Hey guys, it's me. Uh, I'm Moira. I just skinned Banshee and I'm a hop. Like It's, you know, Moira all along. Oops, I'm going to kidnap Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm really just wondering the design. Because I don't think they're bad stories. Like I said earlier, it feels to me like X-Men should always be a soundtrack to a film with cohesion. But we're kind of getting a now that's what I call music. It's a lot of hits. But I don't know that my country X-Men sit exactly next to my hip-hop X-Men, sit exactly next to my bubblegum pop X-Men. 
in a fluid organization that I'm walking away saying, I'm a fan of this line. I'm walking away saying I'm a fan of some books, but I definitely don't see a line to be a fan of right now. I think that's fair. I mean, I think I'm, uh, you know, I'm one of those fans that is still kind of clinging on to the, you know, the, the, the ride that was House and Powers and kind of the, the, the ascent of X Twitter. And it's really where I focus, where I choose to focus, like my comic, you know, attention. Um, there's only so much you can afford and there's only so much you can like make time for. Literally, I have a pile of stuff that I just haven't read yet because I'm not talking about it here and I just don't have freaking time. <laughs> so there's only so much. Um, and you guys are really making valid points. I mean, you know, it was only going to be as great as it was for as long as it could be. Um, I still think there's, you know, I'm the glass half full kind of guy. So there's fun stuff, but yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely been like a shift and there's been a shift in my attention to it. And I know that that's going to be like, I have actively started dropping titles just recently. And, and like, that, oh. that just wasn't a thing before. Like if it had an X in it, I was buying it. And like, at this point, I'm just like, for my mental health, I cannot read this story anymore. I'll catch it when it's on unlimited. Maybe. And that's even where I'm at. Like, you're not incorporating digital comics into my reading enough. Like, uh, when I, you know, when Jonah and I are laying in bed together and I look over and he's reading on Unlimited, I'm overjoyed because, like, that's what it's for. It's for, like, snuggled reading in bed together. It's like, but I, I don't know why it's not for more. Something that I specifically hope, to, you know, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it for a second. This year, I became an award-winning comic book author, uh, thanks to the incredible people that worked on Young Men in Love, the anthology edited by Matt Miner, Joe Glass, edited by Tanner Tyler, uh, Tyler Tanner Chin, uh, a really spectacular work that I am truly lucky to have been included to be part of. Thank you so much. And here is Kevo's beautiful work to show it off. Uh, we won the GLAAD Award. We won the Gaming Award. And again, it is these three brilliant minds who came together and made this possible and asked me to be part of it. Uh, but like, I, I see Unlimited. And my first thought is, why aren't we incorporating more movement? Why aren't we incorporating sound? Why aren't we incorporating things? You know, we see Test Kitchen, which has recipes in it. Great. Do more like that. This is such an amazing opportunity to create the engagement for readership. You could ARG this just about. So many people want the experience of being an X-Man. And instead of transforming the idea of the medium with the ideas that are present in the world around us, there's this notion that the idea that if we leave behind paper, if we leave behind stagnation, we can somehow keep telling stories about evolution, but I say we're all is the same and plain. We should be looking at evolving our medium as much as we're evolving our storytelling. And that is my concern right now. You're trying to tell me big science, but you're doing it on a piece of paper. When the world of big science is available to you, do it. Well, don't you know anybody who uses science is evil in the X-Men world? <laughs> Great, my head's going to explode, and it's going to be a fucking mushroom. And sometimes evil and sexy. I mean, I also think with this uh, move away from comicsology, uh, 
Marvel really has the chance to do exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, I, I would pay $10 more for a guaranteed two more books worth of content, um, from unlimited, but like show me that the business plan is changing and start putting books that are as important to the line as anything in print, but that don't get printed. Like take a leap, take a big leap, do something take, scary. Big do a leap. Big do a leap. Speaking uh, of big scary leaps and uh, the apps of Marvel, there is a big shift coming on the horizon uh, with the Marvel app where you could like buy titles is being phased out. It was like a comicsology app, yeah. as I understand it, and now it's being merged into Unlimited, yeah. which sounds kind of cool, but also a little bit terrifying. I was like, am I going to lose a bunch of shit that I've bought over the years? Hopefully not. Well, but here's my question. How many of the things that you bought over the years aren't Are Unlimited? Unlimited? Good point. Very good so, point. So what's about to happen to Unlimited? Are we about to go to a cultivated Unlimited? Is this about to be like HBO Max? We're going to just David Zazalov off some of our books. But I mean, at the same time, like that also, like I will, I'll pay the monthly fee to have all of my books when they come out on unlimited rather than waiting three months. Cause so many people literally just wait the three months, you know, they don't buy any comics. They pay their $10 a month and they just wait and they read the same stuff that we read. They don't go on X Twitter and that's fine. But like, if you tell me for 20 or 25 that I'll get them that same month. Sure. And then, you know, I don't know. There's a lot that I'm willing to pay for in terms of like, I think you are right as well that like, uh, I mean, it's never been easier to make motion comics. Uh, You are three fourths of the way there. By just having digitally drawn the thing. Um, and, you know, I honestly don't hate those. I think there have been some pretty cheap cash grabs for them in Marvel's past because the the books really were not in any way designed for it. But in the same way that you can make a vertical comic that translates relatively well to print, you can, you know, if you have a digital asset and you spend some time with a media team that asset can go on a static digital page that can also work as a motion page that can also work as a print page you just have to kind of plan it out and i think it's worth it to do that kind of stuff rather than just kind of lasering in on this dying model of the weekly print run. I mean, you know, all we talk about when we talk about buying books, even though we often buy print books is our, the omnis, like the omnis that we want our omni collection. And I would so much rather the physical book conversation be about those types of bound collections. Jonah, you know, I started this whole thing with, I look over and see you reading unlimited in bed. So how are you feeling about the fact that unlimited is just for fun stuff? Um, it's a little disappointing only in the sense of I love the fun stuff. I love reading the Infinity Comics. I love getting back, going to read all my Power Pack issues that I've been 
you know, I can't put down. Um, but I kind of wish that they took a little bit more chances of some more uh, exclusive content in a way uh, that's more enticing, you know. How do you get people to really want to buy into the subscription app? And you got to kind of give them something they want. And if it's only fun times, that's great, but you're really only going to attract the fun time crowd. I think if they tried to cast their net just a little bit wider, they'd be able to have a little bit more time of getting subscriptions where it isn't, do you want to read fun time stuff? Or are you trying to go back and read stuff that might not, that might be out of print and you can't find and you can't afford to buy right now? I. I really agree, man. I really do. And I'm going to say, Arturo, how are you feeling? You're the one who said you hung in the longest. Jonah reads my books. <laughs> TK and I have like matching pull lists. But like, what is your experience with the push to digital? I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, I love the idea of, of just digitally getting stuff when it, when it comes out and it making financial sense because I cannot justify a Marvel Unlimited subscription. And then, you know, Wednesday, I tune in and spend, you know, 30 bucks digitally. Um, I love that when I get physical copies, they have digital codes. When they do have digital codes, because I hate how with Marvel now, it's like a 50-50, you're either going to have a code or you're going to have a mission that I've never even gone on, of like sending a receipt or whatever the fuck. Um, hate that. But I'm into the idea of being able to read everything digitally and then focusing my physical copies on bound copies of shit that I love rather than a box of floppies that I've read. And, you know, I worked at an LCS. I believe in the LCS model. I believe in Harvey Dent. But the thing that winds up happening with these floppies is... Uh, you know, like I'm trying to find an attractive way to say it, but we live in a modern age. And if your thought is that your sprawl should be as man spread on the subway as you can get, you've really got to be thinking about it. There's only so much room in this world for these floppies. We are printing in an era where the shipping is backed up. And I'm going to say it again. The LCS model favors no one but the corporations. It certainly doesn't favor the LCS and it definitely doesn't favor the fans. So we're continuing a model that's hurting the industry by its sheer existence. That leaves me wondering why we're not looking to sort of speak up and push for that change. I would follow, I mean, I don't love the politics of Substack, like knowing that it's kind of like uh, the people that make money on Substack are against all of my political beliefs and inclusion and diversity and positivity makes it a little hard to support Substack. But, like, if we had more options, I feel like the X-Men could be greater than it is right now. And just to, you know, I don't know how much you guys are reading it, but the Avengers, this Avengers run, to me, feels like a desperate reaction to the loss of George Perez. This, you know, Daredevil Punisher coming to an end as it looks like Born Again is getting ready to start worries me that it's a huge backtrack. It just feels like there's a lot of opportunity to be brave, and Marvel is taking a lot of these opportunities to be safe. I don't know that this medium can exist on safe when this medium needs to be progressive. I think Marvel's actions, like you rightly noted, are based on profit, right? Like, it's it's in their best interest financially to be able to sell, 
you know, multiple variants of something. And, you know, I mean, I'm getting a little smattering of across the Marvel universe because my OCD ass has been dead set on collecting the latest Alex Ross collection of villain portraits that are just They're amazing, breathtaking. Um, Some so of his best work in a long time. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I have a bunch of, you know, the last round of, of these, but this is just super impressive and it feels like a lot. Like I had no idea there were so many. I have some still in the bin at the shop because I'm like, listen, I got to spread this out. I got to amortize this over the next couple of weeks because the fuck. But they're gorgeous. Um, from a fan perspective, I think why is there not more of a push from us to like, yes, digital a thousand percent. Like, I feel like we're supportive of digital. I feel like all of us, that's why we use Marvel Unlimited and Comixology back when it wasn't deemed unprofitable enough for Amazon. So they've decided to fucking kill it. Um, so I think we have our foot in the future, but there is a nostalgic factor and there's just something substantially different about just flipping through something and physically having like that artifact. And I don't know, maybe in 30 years, that just literally will not be the case. Like it really will just be digital, you know, and we'll all be sitting around still on this podcast bitching about that. Who knows? Because if I can, thing about it is uh, radio serials became TV shows. TV shows are now streaming events on Disney Plus with budgets greater than whole series of classic television. And, you know, that's, it's got to be that stuff's allowed to change. But one of the things that's hard for me, and that's why I'm really glad that you two are here, is when this show became what this show became for two and a half years, it became that out of a necessity. I don't not miss everybody who's gone everyone who's left this show i miss them in some capacity maybe one person i don't he knows who he is but um i I miss everybody truly i do and um honestly same yeah but it's not it wouldn't be the same thing ever again and it can't be the same thing ever again because it was born of an exclusivity of titles where there was only one to two books a week. It made it so easy for us to all exchange ideas. Uh, Everybody was on one at a time. And then it was all these big things, but the X-Men is no longer this family style table right now. It's really back to a designed property. It is a universe by design and that's okay. But what brought me back to the X-Men was an authenticity of self that I feel has given way to a positive and engaging, inclusive commercialism. But that commercialism isn't for me right now. So while I'm going to keep buying a handful of these Fall of X titles, I'm unlikely to buy even most of them. I'm excited about Torin Grunbeck's Realm of X, as Torin Grunbeck is probably my favorite writer working at Marvel. Uh, I am eager to read Uncanny Spider-Man because it's uh, the hottest hero in the world. It's Jonah. and uh, Dark X-Men, anybody? Because I'm here for that. Immortal X-Men, you know I'm going to ride or die. X-Men Red. There's still a lot of good stuff. Children of the Vault I'm excited about. You know, I'm a well, sucker for villains. But um, if these but all weren't just four issues and five issue miniseries, if I thought right. I could get into them. Right. It's And it's 
I've come to a point where I've realized that following all my fandoms a hundred percent is absolutely unsustainable, right? So X-Men is one of those loves in my life that will always be there and that I will come back to and drift away from and come back to. And that's a circle of life or whatever. And similarly, Star Wars and Transformers. And there's stuff that sometimes when I when I obsess over it and I'm like and I'm just savoring it, I'm like I'm reading it, I'm watching it, I'm listening to audiobooks, like I go all in. And that's just me. That's just like my vibe. I mean, you know, different folk, different strokes, different folks, but yeah, I I totally agree with you, Nico. It's no longer this like you can no longer just like wrap your arms around it and be like, what what are your, you know, rate your favorite books from one to six? Like it's no longer like that. Like look at this list. It's just I agree. And it's tough because I feel like I if I can't do that, I I don't quite know how to be in it. Um, I really don't want to read Invincible Iron Man because it is an X book, because it's a fall of X book. I really don't want to do that. Uh, but I'm going to feel weird if there's stuff going on that I'm missing out on. And if there's like details... And especially in like a year after that, if like some really cool storyline happens because some great author picked up on it and I I missed the reference, I'm going to be bummed about that. Um, I, uh, it's so difficult to not seem like a a self-hating homosexual and not be interested in uh, an Iceman book, but I'm not, uh, I'm not. I noted none of us like name checked that one. That's that's not great. Yeah, uh, and you know I think Steve Orlando is a great writer. Uh, I his Scarlet Witch is fantastic. I just I'm not interested in in this book, and I, it's unfortunate because I I want to support him. Um, you know, Dark X Men seems really cool. Uh, I haven't had the best track record with loving steve fox's stuff i really wish a woman was writing a book team book that maddie was leading the team that just were so overdue for that and that's the other thing is amidst all these other issues we're talking about we're still seeing stuff like this where there's just still not enough women in the mix too many older white men are getting multiple books while like, you know, uh, Denise camp is not a author whose stuff that I've read, but I'm excited to see his children of the vault, but that is one of the, the minis and it, you know, children of the vault is such a big thing in X canon that to be like, Oh, we're finally giving you the thing that you want. Uh, but it's going to be this like short mini with an unknown that doesn't really feel like quite the hype that I want for that book and that, you know, what I want for this dude. Um, so I don't know, like when I look at them, I'm, I'm looking at the list, I'm looking at the authors, I'm looking at, uh, you know, what's a one shot, what's a mini and what's an ongoing. And it just kind of, it doesn't add up to a ton of enthusiasm, but at the same time, I really don't know how I will feel not picking up that Iceman book the first week it's out. Well, I just want to give Jonah a chance to let us know what he's thinking about some of these titles. And then I do believe we're going to say goodbye to him. 
right? So, Jonah, what are you thinking about these upcoming Fall of X titles? Um, there's uh, a couple of different interesting titles that we have here that I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to play into everything. I think the most, the biggest one there for me is Children of the Vault. Uh, I was introduced to Children of the, the, the Children of the Vault and what the Vault is uh, through uh, Hickman's X-Men, you know, run way back in the early X-Men issues. And I was like, oh, this is very weird very cool big old threat that the x-men for now have contained um but i don't know how much longer they can be contained realistically that being said i am curious to see how that's going to play into everything or if it's just kind of going to be like a red herring kind of situation um i'm also interested in seeing what is what does realm of x mean that can mean anything who knows? Is this about uh, David and his mind? Is this about something else? There's... It's about Typhoid Mary. Oh, if only. If... No, it is. No, it, is. It, is. Oh. it is about Typhoid Mary being written by Torin Grunbuck. Oh, okay. Well, we like that. Yeah. Um, the Fall of X, I... It's been a very wonderful time on Krakoa, and I don't know if I really want Krakoa to end, because I find Krakoa fun. I find it interesting, and I find it cool. Uh, there are many, all these other adjectives that I really find it. Um, but I also know that as we get closer and closer to the eventual uh, addition of the mutants to the MCU, they're going to start having to be able to cross-promote those books. And I'm very well aware that they're not going to be starting at Krakoa. Um, <laughs> that would be foolish. <laughs> so I, I fully am well aware that they're just going to be doing... Um, some different stories and that they might going to, the fall of x is inevitable not by choice of they're really done with the krakowin era but because the larger company that's paying it for everything is like well we got to put these tie-ins we got to put all the, the the toys the movies you know the eventual tv shows everything has to tie in and eventually cross promote and cross sell so no more island yeah so. we're going back to westchester i think it's uh really inevitable i think we've all known that all along despite our uh whatever protests we've had well real um, quick before we keep going i just want to give jonah a chance to bop out jonah it's been so great having you on tonight been a blast can you remind us where we can all find you thank you for having me uh you can follow me over on twitter and instagram at peak jonah uh well until uh we get the chance to see your handsome face again Joe, to keep on reading, keep on watching. I know we have, I better say, we have you on for uh, Drag Race All-Stars. We have you on for the Little Mermaid coverage when that hits. So we got some stuff with you coming up. And until then, we love you. You're the best. And we will see you real soon. That's what they do. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Jonah. Uh, all right. Now, Okay. Toro, I don't know how much you're reading of the other titles at Marvel, but one of the big things that we're talking about, Kevo, would you bring up the slide that shows everything ending? Um, one of the wackiest things going on at Marvel right now is a, a real interesting desire to clear the board. In the month of June, I'm sorry, May, in the month of May, Rogue and Gambit, New Mutants, X-23, The Excellent, Extreme Venomverse, Edge of Spider-Verse, Hollow's Eve, Shadow Clones for Spider-Gwen. Sorry about that. Uh, Shadow Clones for Spider-Gwen. It's a great title. 
Venom, Lethal Protector 2, Avengers Beyond, I Am Iron Man, Hellcat, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Clobberentine, Black Cat, and Mary Jane, and Strange Academy. Uh, oh, Strange Academy ended this week. I just really wanted to end at it because I kept forgetting that it uh, was coming out. And TK kept being like, you keep forgetting. So I just added it to this list so that he couldn't say I forgot it again. And then I forgot. Um, I can't believe how much stuff is fucking ending. How are you feeling about this rate of turnover? I mean, even the stuff that I am not following, like how much of, how, how many issues of Black Cat and Mary Jane are you? Right? How many issues of Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones do we really need in the world? Like some of these things were, you know, from the jump built to be short runs. I didn't know Hellcat was ending. I'm just hearing lately about how great it is. So I thought it had just kind of dropped. I didn't know that it was wrapping up. Um, I'm enjoying X twenty three W Regenesis more than I imagined I would because I was like more than I want to to X twenty three, but just it's it's been a really fun little ride. But again, do I need more of it? Do I need you know twelve issues of it? Probably not. But it's been fun for what it is. Um, anything that has Venom in it, although you know, despite my sexual attraction to the concept of Venom, I am not. Um, the last time I tried to read a Venom comic, like, I don't even think I actually have finished. I think there's like six pages left in it. Um, so not really my bag and that's fine. So yeah, to all things, you know, there is a season. Now, Teek, how do you feel about this onslaught of titles being ended? And then, uh, you know, Ghost Rider, just like riding on through to number 17 from Vroom Daddy. So quick note, uh, because I made this original list and it's stuff that ends basically this week and through Fall of X, because some of these do not end for a hot minute. Oh, uh, my bad. You made like the list? Hel I thought I made the list. I made the original list. Uh, Hellcat doesn't end until uh, July. Um, just as like, so, so they're ending at various times, but we are doing a big wrap up and we are not doing as big a, an onslaught of like, there's not a book replacing every one of these, which that was kind of the, the point we were getting at when we were originally talking about this. Um, you know, it's not even so much the endings as it is just this era of minis and still being so staggeringly unclear uh thanks for what, that edition bradford uh yes. captain britain ends in june thank you very much um yeah i just don't betsy and rogan gambit are two really fantastic examples of stories that i really enjoy but i don't really know if i will ever see them referenced again after they're completed uh you know, particularly like they're like Teeny Howard uh, might reference what happens in Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain. But two years from now, do I believe that the next person who's writing Betsy in a title will? I, it's no, I, I don't. Um, so while they're all very cool, it's it's really tough when Marvel is saying like, well, you know, we can't be doing all these ongoings anymore because they don't sell like the one shots or like the, the minis, but then the minis don't get treated like a replacement for the ongoings. They get treated like their own thing. And what they get treated like is just kind of a niche boutique moment that 
is very much optional. Uh, in the meantime, Ghost Rider is maybe the best example because I think it's one of the best books at Marvel. I think it is Percy's best writing. Percy shows so much passion as a horror writer. It is this entirely untapped genre for Marvel. Like this is one of very few books in the horror space. Uh, the way that that can overlap with the magic side of Marvel, the way that those things have really good MCU synergy. I just like, I can knock these things off a list. The possibilities for uh, diversity are so there. Uh, give us more Kushala books. Do it now. Give us Kushala, Kushala books. Kushala, Kushala. Um, and so like, here's this author that I think deserves great things that I think deserves ongoings that I love his work in this book. I so desperately want Wolverine and X-Force to end. I don't know what else I can do. Not because, <laughs> not because it's bad. Uh, if I'm going to say anything that I feel bad because I would never want Ben Percy to be offended, he has gotten a really long time that most people don't get. Women never get. And I just like maybe want to... I said the same thing about Tom DeFalco, so I'll say this about anybody. Too long on a book does not do anybody any favors. And I think we're getting to too long on two books for Mr. Percy, uh, but we're not there with Ghost Rider yet. And so like, I really want it to be clear that I think he's so great. I'm just ready to move on from this, like uh, this channel that we're in with those two stories. Uh, and you know, the, to the, to go back to the original point, like there's a place for ongoings. There's a place for company man authors, but when it's in the mix of stuff that doesn't work, it's real tough. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I love Percy, but yeah, those, those titles just feel like we are kind of stuck in some mud. I'm hoping that we push through it. I feel like there's signs that we might, but it's just taking forever. Um, I will say one thing I wish, and I've been I'm always complaining about this, but like, I love Tinny, and I really wish that uh, Betsy Braddock Captain Britain was Excalibur. I really wish Knights of X was Excalibur. Like, I wish Tinny had been given that kind of runway, and I think totally. whatever business decisions that we're going to crank out more money with number ones, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's data to support that, but from an actual fan perspective, like, you know, yeah, it's 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 a double-edged sword when you give a, a creator that much runway. You know, as we're as we're discussing now, some things may stagnate or whatever. But I certainly feel like Tinny is uh, is somebody who deserves it. And um, yeah, some like just institutional misogyny probably helped kind of prevent that from happening. Um, I will say one thing that people will hopefully reference, and I hope we don't lose anytime soon it, two things actually Rachel's codename Ascani mm -hmm. a hell of an upgrade um, I think that's going to stick and Rachel and Betsy being girlfriends I think might stick for a bit or even if they break up there will be tension there and there's you know break up get back together potential stories there who knows or maybe they will just be married within a couple of years I don't know but the fact that those two things were accomplished under Timmy's pen, I think, is worth celebrating. 
And we actually had said something about uh, something in that vein earlier on this episode that uh, one of my big theses is that we live in the age of the blurred. We live in the age of as long as there's like something they can point to is the thing that happened that run. They don't really need to have that much happen page to page. As long as a thing happened that either upheld or changed status quo, the book did its job. And I think that that's like most notable in something like Knights of X or uh, Captain Britain, where they're just not supporting it the way they need to. Teak, you know, in the car, you said uh, earlier today that, you know, they're just not supporting books on issue 11 the same way that they're doing a book on issue one. For like Knights of X and for Captain Britain, I feel like they weren't supporting that book the way it deserved by issue two. I think that, you know, the thing that really becomes central is understanding that some of these titles aren't given the life expectancy that you might think. Hallow's Eve spins out of one spider event. Edge of Spider-Verse is connected to another spider event. They aren't really thinking about Hallow's Eve by the time the two-per-month Edge of Spider-Verse comes out. They're just thinking about Edge of Spider-Verse, and Hallow's Eve is allowed to end in the background. I just, it's not the same treatment for all of these titles and it aches a lot. Yeah. Hallow's Eve is another really fantastic example because in dark web had so few characters. She was actually really important to that book. And I thought, uh, you know, was done great justice. You know, had some moments of real tragedy, uh, in her relationship with Ben and of course, you know, you and I have a special interest in that character because of our love of all things MC2 and the way that uh, Hallow's Eve, Elizabeth Tyne, uh, Janet Gibney follows into, or Gabby, uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, falls into the MC2 uh, lore and mythos. Um, so that that was a moment in which I think you and I saw so much potential that is actually 100% definitely there and it became clear immediately that uh, corporate did not have the same interest that you and I did and it's unfortunate because that potential is still there this one character has threads and ties to so many things that are interesting storytelling possibilities for Peter Parker and Spider-Man in ways that like uh, actually could really lead to a solid run. But it just feels like because she is not, you know, Spider-Man of the groovy 60s in a Spider-Verse story, she's not, doesn't, she doesn't matter. Uh, Spider-Man with pantaloons she doesn't qualify. So now, okay, I want to actually ask a, a, an interesting question in this sort of connective thread. One of the things that we talk about a lot is the sanctity of storytelling, the way we think that certain things can't be changed or certain things need to be changed. I am gobsmacked by some of the things on this list. I love, I mean, I, I tell everybody, Ecstatics is one of the greatest comics I've ever read. I can't believe... The Excellent is on issue 10. That's actually like issue 12 of this run. I can't believe Venom Lethal Protector 2 exists. That there was a very similar Silver Surfer story just a few months ago. I cannot believe 
that Return to Days of Future Past, I am so obsessed with this book, I'm buying 100 copies, I don't care, I'm the guy it's for. But on top of that, the facsimile editions are, I'm going to throw my stool, so mad. These facsimile editions are so, I'm so glad someone is making money on them because I hope it's helping people, whether it's a comic shop or a creator or my, my Disney stock, hi. But like Incredible Hulk 180, 181, Uncanny X-Men 101, all new Marvel Point 1. <laughs> These the all-new books, Marvel Point One is unhinged. These books together being re-released the same month to me is the Pawnee time capsule. <laughs> yes, Twilight. Twi- yes, Twilight is the story of a vampire. Um, I am going to drink six gallons of milk. No, you will not. So I, I don't know. Guys, I hate these facsimile editions. I'm like, if they, if someone can say to me, no, Nico, they serve a financial purpose to the industry. Good. Okay. If they mean other books can be printed, fine, 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 fine. I've never seen someone buy one. Never. Ever. I've never. seen people buy the True Believers. I've seen people buy the Marvel, uh, the Marvel special, Marvel Age looking ones that have the really beautiful covers. Uh, they did that Captain Britain one that was gorgeous, right? I've never seen anybody buy one of these. And if somebody said I buy them, I love them, I'm like, thank goodness. I want that to be important. But, like, what do you guys think about these facsimile editions? I feel like a, I feel like an AM radio talk show host about this. I'm so angry. <laughs> Was Hulk 180 the, the cover by Dave Keown, right? Uh, 180, 181 are the first two appearances of Wolverine. They're her trip. Oh, those. Oh, my God. That's oh, why I'm yeah, like unhinged. Fun, yeah, that's what Marvel Unlimited is for. Honestly. Thank you. I just don't know who that collector is, and that I didn't realize there were that many of them in the contiguous United States, such that it's worth it to print this. Um, I don't not believe it. It could this be a money laundering scheme? I don't really have any answer. It's mattress firms everywhere. It's a mattress firm. It's mattress firm. Um, it does really feel like that though, because like I said, all anybody talks about are omnis. If you're like real wild, you collect trades. Um, but like trades are like maybe more for libraries. Uh facsimile editions really are just like i don't know who those people are but if you are one of those people and you're listening please write in uh we would love to interview you and understand your culture and customs wow guys and there's a really stunning number of them there's ones for adam warlock uh alpha flight number one amazing fantasy 15 uh, there is spider-man one spider-man i'm sorry spider-man annual one spider-man annual 21 Oh my god! What are these books, though? Uh, the Death of Electra gets one. That's pretty cool. That's an um, interesting one. Edge of Spider Verse gets one. Come of on! Of course it does. How? It came out the day before. Yeah. Well, you know. That's just a second printing. Yeah. Basically. Um, but there is a movie coming out, so. There it is. Uh. Okay, but I do want to say that some of these are really cool because some of these are kind of bonkers. Uh, I love some of the Star Wars ones. That's always really cool, uh, especially because the show is getting more and more to Star Wars. So, uh, I mean, more and more to Star Wars. We have, like, 72 hours of Clone Wars coverage, so, like, more into Star Wars. 
but uh, you know, um, man. we're making it more part of the content release plan for the future. So I don't know. I think facsimile editions are facile. I'm kidding. I just don't see the point of them. Um, but if they make someone happy, I'm really happy. If they sustain the comic industry, that's what I want to hear. If yeah. you know somebody wants to let us know how that works, if uh, you know what, I'll go ask one of my favorite LCSs. Uh, everybody, real quick, just not to be ridiculous, but plug an LCS you love, real quick. Uh, I want to plug the Geekery in Matawan, New Jersey. You can check them out at the Geekery on Twitter and I believe all of your fine forms of uh social media they are an amazing local shop that has done so so much for their community they host community nights uh they have inclusion sections for just about everything you could want special graphic novels for it is clean it is safe it is well organized their back issue buy-ups are so great i have found some like such old trades that they're before standard sizing so it's a it's a great shop. Uh, how about you guys, TK? What's a, an LCS that you just go absolutely bonkers for? You know mine. I take you there every time you come up. It's Coast sure City do. Comics in Portland, Maine, uh, right up the street from me. Uh, I have been there since their opening day, and it's just the best place. Hello to Tristan, uh, the owner, who's an awesome dude. They have a fantastic selection of comics toys collectibles everything they made me an amazing deal on a book i thought i would never be able to buy for myself so uh if you go in and you see something that looks out of your price range and you say man i wish i could buy that tristan looks over at you and goes well how much are you willing to spend yeah oh, i love a shop like that that's awesome yeah they're great always ready to to make a deal i gotta i'm gonna plug two I hope you don't mind. Uh, one is Corka Comics. They are my, you know, my my weekend week out shop. That's that's truly my LCS, um, and they're wonderful. They've got great stuff, great staff. Love them to bits. Uh, and then I have to give a shout out to Tate's Comics, which is like up in basically Fort Lauderdale, uh, and I make a pilgrimage up there. It's about an hour drive from my place. Uh, about once a year, usually with my and your buddy too, Juancho Lasting Pergoa. Whenever he's in town, we make it a point to go out there because it is not just an LCS, it's like an event. It is just a magnificent space that just has every geeky fandom thing you could imagine times a thousand. It is a blast. So, I, uh, I actually have a, a, a gentleman that I am friends with, who is a, a tough creature to, to, to impress. And I had the opportunity to walk into Midtown Comics with him. And uh, while we were there, I reached over and picked my book up right off the shelf and was like, hey, this is my name right here in the middle of Midtown Comics, hey. And uh, that's kind of like the magic of a shop that has everything that like, I'm able to be like, look at the faggot books. And like, you know, the faggot books are right there. So. No, and Midtown, like, you, there's not enough good stuff can be said about Midtown Comics. When I lived in, in the city, that was that was my LCS. And what a fucking treat to be able to go there, you know, a couple times a month. And, you know, it, it's just like that was the local shop where so many people, that's like something to do while you're on vacation visiting New York. But the number of stairs is deeply, deeply ableist. Let's just be clear. The number of stairs is egregious and hateful. 
Uh, it is, it is, if you have any sort of arthritis, just don't. So, um, Arturo, I want to know, what is your big takeaway from what's going on at Marvel? Is this the end of an era for you at Marvel? And if it's, even if it's the end of an era, that doesn't mean it's all bad news. What do you feel about the end of this era? If it is one, and if not, tell me about why. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the what's being published and what's happening may kind of reflect kind of my own journey lately with Marvel. Um, again, like I will always come back. I will always keep, you know, a toe in the water or a foot, um, especially when it comes to X-Men. But yeah, maybe, maybe it is time, you know, to, to put the chairs up and turn off the lights and change some shit up. Um, specifically with the X-Men, uh, it's still a bittersweet thing. Um, and the way that is kind of like reverberating for me personally, like lately I've been on a huge Star Wars trip. So like all my Marvel unlimited time, like if you, if I'm opening, if I'm in that app, it's because I'm reading the old Star Wars stuff that is now just there. Not even old, there's great new stuff that I just wanted to pick up, but just couldn't, you know, justify fitting it into the bin. And, uh, and now I'm, you know, spelunking down all of those caverns and, reading a bunch of really cool shit. So, you know, your Marvel and, and fandoms in general is really what you make of it. Nothing is forever. You gotta kind of just go with your gut and enjoy what you enjoy and no one to stop. No one stopped enjoying it enough that you need to pull back. And then you'll always enjoy it and you'll always come back in some degree. Because there's nothing that says that you're... I want to take it a step back. You don't owe anyone anything but respect, and you only owe that until they disrespect you. And I think if you feel that the storytelling is no longer for you, it's okay to walk away and come back. If you feel disrespected, it is important to kind of communicate that into the universe. And over the years, one of the reasons I've walked away from the X-Men is I've felt disrespected. I felt underrepresented as a queer person. I have felt underrepresented as an ally. Like that's one thing that's like, don't get me wrong. I want more gays because I'm a gay and I want more, you know, Latin men because I'm a Latin man. And I want more characters that are Greek the way Electra's Greek, right? Cause I'm a Greek dude. But like, I don't, just want for me i want more trans characters for the beautiful trans community who needs more representation i want more ace characters more lesbian characters i want more characters who practice faiths i know nothing about and need to learn everything about and when i hear about an amazing character that practices that faith i'm going to go out and i'm going to read my ass off about it because it's not a writer's job to inform me everything about that faith it is my job to do some research and like I feel as though we've found ourselves in a place where the books just aren't reflecting that forward momentum. It's not that they're disrespectful. We have a lot of that right now. We do have a lot of those things I'm looking for. But it's actually okay to be like, I got the, the diversity I'm looking for. I still need way more. I still need way more and I'm still calling for it. But I'm not leaving because I'm disrespected. I'm leaving because these aren't stories for me. I'm still reading comics. I'm still reading X-Men actively, but I cannot call myself like 
a member of X fandom right now the way I could a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure that's where I'm going. Uh, it feels like that's kind of what's happening. But, you know, I've been at a party thinking I'm leaving and gotten a second wind at some point, run into somebody before I left that really made me want to stay. So stranger things have happened. Uh, it just feels like... Uh, a good time, you know, uh, Arturo, you made one of the, you know, the best points to this, which is like, there's other stuff to be fans of right now. Like Star Wars really is killing so it good right now. on, on so many levels. Star and Trek across the board. So rather Amazing. than keep fighting, because like, I feel like in my heart, X-Men is my original number one closest fandom. It's okay to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to chill for a bit and then I'll come back. I'll, you know, I'll come back in six months. It's never that long. That, that's where I am with it. Like, I still identify as as a, an X-Fan. Like, I am still actively contemplating, you know, an X-Tattoo, right? Like, it's something that is, like, part of me in a, in a specific way. Um, and, yeah, but, you know, you can, it, it's fine to change gears a little bit. And there's a thing that you actively want when it's coming out fresh on Wednesday. And there's a thing you can catch up on you know, in the app when you have time and you're not so worried about like what is happening as it's happening. Um, I think that's, I think that's really important. And I think you just kind of have to enjoy yourself. Uh, and yes, I just want to echo Star Trek is so fucking good at this point that it's gotten me to go back and like, like, I can't say like, I'm a Trekkie. I'm not there. I don't want to like be a poser. I don't want to appropriate, but let me tell you, it is a blast. It is worth investing the time to watch the old stuff and uh and i love all the new stuff i love the card i love discovery i know that's maybe a controversial take for some no. people but Discovery's i great all of it and i dug it i love michael burnham back. michael burnham i would follow into any black hell i would follow I michael burnham straight the hell into hell yeah let's go um for me the the actual the 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 crown jewel right now is strange new worlds which is just like it's exactly the Star Trek of my heart, and we got Jonah to start it. And as a as a an occasionally unsure how to interact engineer boy, Jonah really relates to Spock in a very sweet way, and uh, it's it's a great time. It's really anyway. Um, um, also, I have to give flowers to Lower Decks. I don't know if anybody here like. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it's so, so funny great. that even when I didn't get a lot of the references, like I would actively ask friends on Twitter, like, what is this? You know, that I started watching uh, The Next Generation because I enjoyed Lower Decks so much. And um, it's just, it's wonderful. And yeah, it's a, it is a perfect comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Ed, we're going to be covering something on this show that, uh, Arturo, I believe I've asked you a little bit about it, but Arturo, would you be our show's date and help us enter the world of Transformers when yes. Rise of whatever the animal people that's coming the out beasts. is? Beasts! Yes, I'm certainly. really excited. Uh, we're definitely going to be covering... We're going to go back and do uh, Bumblebee, and uh, we're going to grab this one. And uh, I'm really excited because uh, Transformers is something that I visually love and cerebrally desire to know more about. And it feels like a really hot, sexy time. 
it's I mean Transformers is such a such a tricky thing because there's so many different versions of it like the movies do not jive with anything like it's you know they do but they don't and um you kind of have to really just enjoy everything for what it is um and I'm not actively see this is one of those where like right now I've I've downshifted a little bit I'm not following it like week to week what's coming out in the comics um but I've read a ton of the comics I have a ton of paperback you know trade paperbacks so kind of my concept of Transformers is not exactly current but it's pretty deep and um yeah and I'm just always down to to talk sentient transforming robots with with huge personalities and great code names well until we have you back T uh we have you back TK ask Arturo where everyone can find you Arturo where can everyone find you here sometimes and uh at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram well, we can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you, guys. It's been a, pl a pleasure and a privilege. Love you guys. See you soon. Love you. See you soon. All right, Mister. Now, All right. You, you and I got a. You and I got a, a guy uh, or two, a couple scores to settle up real fast. We got some stuff to talk about. We got. Oh, I'm knocking over my mic. All right. Listen. Nailed it. Now you can't I, hear me, though. Flowers every fucking where. I am truly and deeply... Madly. Frustrated. Yeah. With the end of Avengers. Really? Um, I really don't feel like there was any sort of story beat here that paid off what I have been reading for what now feels like a hundred plus issues all said and done between Heroes Reborn, Avengers, Avengers Forever, the Marvel Nows, the, the thousand page story, the, the thousand BC story. The so, one. Let me put this to you. If you did not know that Jed McKay's Avengers was the next thing coming out, if you did not know what was coming out for the Avengers after this, do you think you would be as bummed? Okay, that's a really great question. I think I want to interact with it on a couple of levels. There's an honest level and there's a level where I know I'm lying to myself. Yeah. I'm lying to myself if I said that great writer who I really like, Jed McKay, was the choice for me for this book. That's the problem. Um, the Avengers are cops and I get a little a cab about it. And, um, I think that that's like when people are like, of course, uh, the, the God in judgment day was the worst because of Tony Stark. I'm like, sure. Or it's the literal mass murdering, you know, insane person. And like, so I do. Eugenicist. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word. I was, I just could brains. Um, I really do agree that, you know, these characters are flawed, but they're not horrible. They are just kind of boring. And I don't think Wanda is boring. I don't think T'Challa is boring. I don't think, I don't think Vision's boring. Uh, Sam's not boring. Carol's not boring. Thor's not boring. Iron Man's not boring. 
but you put them all together and they all have to fight the same interdimensional threats against time. And now we know it's going to be versus Kang and that started in timeless. And now it's building up to a thing, but now all of the Kang plans might be up in the air because of some stuff going on with Jonathan majors. And I find myself wondering how much of this is signaling the thing I was talking about a few minutes ago. I do feel like we are really reaching a point with the end of modern print comics as we know them. This just isn't the same universe that the Marvel Universe can exist in. If the Marvel Omegaverse is this bigger picture that is all of the fictional entities of the entirety of the Marvel Universe, and I'm saying bigger than just like the films, I'm counting t-shirts, I'm saying the universe that is pencils and erasers, right? If we're saying this giant, like, Omegaverse of Marvel needs to be guided in some way, right? That there's some bigger arching plan here. I feel like then the comics are now just kind of the pencils and the erasers. And they're not the money-making industry. They might be the storytelling industry, and they are so much more important than pencils or erasers. But they're affected by a bottom line in a way that corporations need to be. Marvel was not bought by Disney because Marvel was in such a great place. Marvel was bought by Disney because DC was already owned by Warner Brothers. And how the hell was Marvel going to keep up in a world where they had to make movies to stay alive? And... We've just really hit a place where the nature of comic book storytelling is beholden to an industry that no longer understands how outmoded it is. And I am worried that this signals a really sloppy final act. Yeah, uh, I I can't argue with any of that. Um, and that's not all Jed McKay. No, 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 yeah, no not like at all. This um, general sense of we keep going back to the thing yeah. that we were promised we're never going back to a month ago. Yeah, no, that's that's 100%. And, you know, Aaron's Avengers really set up. It's funny because I'm thinking, okay, print comics. If I think print comics are kind of dead, what do I want? Like, uh, let's expand. Let's stop calling them unlimited and expand the digital comics that are released digitally and just have them be digital comics. And when I think about it, I'm like X-Men. I want like a ton of internal what's going on on Krakoa. What's going on with Artie and Leech. What's going on with frenzy. Give me like, you know, it, also like if we just have to keep doing minis and like one shots, put them on digital and make them a little shorter and just kind of knock them out and let's do it like that. Let's play around with them for Avengers. It's like the same thing, but for Aaron's Avengers, it's the same thing, but on a multiversal scale. Now I want like what's going on with Ant-Man Tony. Now I want what's going on in the weird animal universe where Raven Darkholm is a bird. <laughs> Uh, this set up so many cool multiverses and characters from them and really was kind of giving us an engine for change for how we view this group of superheroes in that like uh, they exist across the multiverse in a way that goes beyond uh, it's earth number duh, 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 and it's what if the phoenix had eaten chili fries that day like it just is an entirely different universe and in that one tony stark became ant-man it's not a what if it just is a different world and this avengers run really gave a setup for 
like we could tell a ton of stories in the the omega verse or the omniverse that this created and to me that was so cool a big swing on Aaron's part that I think entirely paid off. And even he ends the book with kind of like, uh, you know, Avenger prime is now running the multiversal Avengers tower with the multiversal Avengers that we met through this series. And he's like, well, now there's threats to face. There's a Carol core. There's a Steve core. Um, we've got all this stuff. And it just seems like, they they had these scripts a while ago. The most logical thing in the world would have been to do the next Avengers thing as an offshoot of this. Or at least have this on the books. Yeah, yes, yep. Because that we knew nothing was coming out of this made this feel really unimportant. Yeah, the it's I don't know if I would have rather known and just been cynical or discovered after reading this and been heartbroken because if I had finished this I would have been certain that what was coming next was you know the multiversal avengers book plus the steve core book plus, you know, and then when it turned out that literally none of those things is even a glimmer on the horizon I probably would have been like sick to my stomach you know I, again, I'm not trying to put any comic shops out of business, but I recognize the model is faltering. If you said to me, okay, there is now a digital marketplace and there's a bunch of eight page X-Men stories each week. Yeah. There's like five and there's five, eight page Avenger stories each yeah. week. And they're mostly by different writers. Sure. It means you can't make your living writing at Marvel, but you kind of can't make your living writing at Marvel anyway. Very few people can. And if a few more people could write at Marvel and still had their creator-owned books, you would see a lot more people be able to make a living writing comics. Yep. And then you'd be able to do exactly what you're talking about. Yep. The multiverse Steve book. And that's, you know, not to talk about our work again, but that's something we're trying to do with our storytelling because I'm just not seeing it here. And yeah. it's killing me, man. And for every title like Avengers that had me so excited for so long, that kind of let me down. I'm seeing a similar thing with Daredevil, but in, in the reverse, I had no expectations of Daredevil by Zdarsky. Yeah. Uh, honestly, you know, just to do a quick rundown of modern Daredevil for a minute, um, you've got Smith, right? And Smith gives way to Bendis. Uh, Bendis Mac, right? Bendis gives way to Brubaker. So... I'm not crazy about it. I love Bendis, right? Then you got Brubaker, not crazy about it. But then uh, you've got Shadowland, really not crazy about it. Then you've got Wade, love Wade. Then you've got Sewell. I don't love Sewell. However, with the exception of like a really short Jed McKay uh, five issue thing in between, uh, I really love the Zadarsky run that comes out of the Sewell era. And I had, again, no expectations of it. To me, he was the artist on Sex Criminals. So how was he writing Daredevil? And then it turns out to be amazing. And I... I'm going to jump back for a minute in our conversation. And it might seem a little out of place. But it's actually no, very... I nice. always trust you. I am really excited that Kieran Gillen's sins of sinister is over 
and his judgment day is over and I'm glad he's sticking around. But Kieran Gillen just ended some major stuff on the X-Men and Jason Aaron just ended a major multi-book run, sort of like his Wolverine and X-Men uh, back in the day. Why are we saying goodbye to runs by the same writers that we said runs goodbye to runs from 10 years ago? Why did we move backward? And it's for two of my all-time favorite writers. I have a Jason Aaron book hanging right there. And I have like the complete works of Kieran Gillen, both under my bed and stored in my wet dreams for the rest of my life. And I love these creators. They're incredible. But why are they doing the flagships again 10 years later? They're not not better writers. They're not not improved. They are improved. But something I also recognize is... They can sustain titles outside of Marvel where somebody else needs that leg up yet. And it is like you said, wow, we're doing Sinister again. This is more major run Sinister. Who was the villain of Kieran Gillen's uh, AVX narrative? Yeah, um, it's got, you know, it's so difficult to love this medium so much be critical of it in a way that's supportively critical and wanting the best for it and i never want to seem like i'm putting anybody down i really that i cut my teeth doing this type of critique on our mc2 coverage and talking about tom defalco who is like will never hear what i have to say does not care that run is 20 years old it so does not matter but like a run that i loved that i think is so important that he deserves so much credit for that he wrote 200 issues of i maybe think he should have written 50 not because he's not a great writer but because nobody really should be writing more than 50 after the year 2001 um we got to a point where it was just a different business and a different medium and nobody should be doing these really huge uninterrupted just beat your head against the wall runs um and then they shouldn't just keep getting them over and over again because they're the person that it doesn't do them any favors you know it's not it's not going to be their best work it's not going to be interesting um i i, I two years three years 24 issues 36 issues sure maybe that's still a phenomenal run that gives you time to do a lot of stuff that's but cute. um you know getting the flagship every time setting the tone for the crossover being the guy who has to do all of the blog interviews where you talk about your intention for this crossover and why this one really is different from the last one and you swear it's not just going to all reset it's not all going to just be a dream and then it turns out it was all just a nightmare and you're like I said it wasn't just a dream that makes you seem like a jerk like it just it's not easy to sustain being in this position you shouldn't want it for yourself as a creator your business that you're writing for should not want that for you and the books will be better if you don't do it so you know as much as i think this actually is such a phenomenal run on aaron's part the way that he picked up on his thor run uh you know that this is kind of part two of what he did in thor is actually beautiful and impressive uh but still ill-advised um 
Because, yeah, then the stuff going on here for Thor felt nothing like the stuff going on in Donny Cates' Thor. And then right. Donny Cates jumps out of his Thor real fast and Torin Grunbuck takes over and she's still doing the... That was the craziest part! We were saying that the Torin Grunbeck book felt like a Thor that no longer existed anywhere but Aaron's Avengers Forever and then Donny Cates jumps off of Thor leaving it to Torin Grunbeck who just keeps running that classic Thor it led because it was still going in this Avengers it gave room for that sort of like oh god I hate this language for it but like infectious retread yeah. it's the way that when um JMS jumped off of Thor and Gillen jumped on and then Fraction came in. Gillen came in with Journey into Mystery and it was because that thread was still able to be picked up. It actually wound up just blowing Fraction's Thor out of the water, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sad that this Avengers run turned out to be 125 issues uncelebrated. I don't think Avengers Assemble Omega got the fanfare Avengers Assemble, Assemble Alpha got because yeah. Omega was too close to Avengers number one. And they can't push two books back to back like that. So it got the short end of the stick and they let a run that actually started in a lot of ways in 2013 with Thor, God of Thunder yeah. number one. They let a, a run that ran 10 years just kind of die. And that's why I say, like, I don't think people should get runs that long because if your company isn't in a place to support you as the author of a magnum opus 10 years in the making, uh, you have been screwed out of something you deserve, which is that victory lap. So, you know, if I can say like, hey, don't give that to the next big writer that I love. It's not out of like, uh, he's a bad writer. Don't give it to him. It's out of, we clearly don't have the infrastructure in place to lift up creators who do these kinds of big works anymore. And what it results in is one of the most important runs of i think comics at all because that that transfer from mc unification to comicsification post endgame is so huge a whole generation of people kids not just kids because like there were probably adults that were coming to comics for the first time out of this but to really have to be the person that says like oh you know the big names here's what they're like on on the page massive undertaking very well done for all i all the critical thoughts that i had you know heroes reborn uh is a beautiful mess i am so glad it exists i'm so glad we covered it i probably if i had been in a boardroom would have said idea not approved uh but you know i it is a sprawling attempts you know i i given that it played next to house of x and powers of 10 i think it really did not get the recognition it deserved for doing as weighty a job as house of x and powers of 10 did changing the x-men aaron's run did changing the avengers in a ways that ways that it needed to uh and yeah this really should have been a massive celebration omega and and on all of these last 10 uh and you know my second read through of the actual story i actually think i loved it a lot more than i did 
reading it right when it came out all the way to the end. Uh, but more than that, I really do just notice that like the the culture and the infrastructure are not supportive of this title. You know, I know we had originally had Daredevil and Punisher to talk about as well, but I just feel like it doesn't fit in with what we're talking about here. We're talking sure. about so many things that are like, kind of like bummer ends of an era. And sure. I feel like these are a little bit more celebratable. I think I want to hold off this discussion yeah. for when these two books are over. Yeah. And we can have Tori back. We can have Blake back. I have, would love it. Uh, have the unbelievable voice of Tim Burnham back. Yeah. And uh, be able to really talk about these and maybe even get a little bit more information on this taboo story yes. uh, with the wonderful B. Earl, who yep. I almost said taboo and Bob. It's okay. I always say Wyndham Earl. Oh, okay. The Great Northern Hotel. So, um... All said and done. Yeah. If we could see that slide of all of the ending titles again. Oh, no. Fallen Friend. Right. Thank you. I I have nothing to say about the Cap stuff because I haven't read enough of it yet to really have an opinion. And I'll have an opinion as soon as I've read more of it. But I am so over this kind of advertising. Yes. that's. I, I think am... this is a big part of what we really need to talk about. The run itself is good. It's, 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 it's good. It's interesting. It does a thing. That's fine. But yeah, don't ever give me a black cover with stylized writing and a weird catchphrase. All will be revealed. No, I don't think all will be revealed. Nope. All will not be revealed. You'll string us along for like six months. Then Bucky will be dead, but then he'll wake up in hell and be told like, you can actually leave anytime. So you're not really dead. And then just the cycle repeats again. <laughs> uh, and this is it. This is the thing. Like we're just sitting here being cynical and it's not unreasonable for us to be this way because this is what happens every time. And this is what we're saying. Change, change this. Don't be doing big run with a, flare finale in which a thing happens and then we get a solicit that tells us this is the next thing and you can tell based on who was in the last issue of the big run and who isn't listed in the solicit who is probably the person this isn't a way to live your life and this isn't a way to publish and it's not a way to read as a fan let's do it differently uh i know that we can we can change this model i just i know we can that really is it for me. I mean, I'm not done with comics. I'm not done with Marvel. I'm not done with X-Men. I'm not done with any of this stuff. But I am done giving it... And this is, I think, what happened. And, like, I don't know. I guess I'm talking about it on air a little bit more than I thought I would. But when we ended X's for podcast to bring it over to X's for show, I think part of it was I wanted to change. But yeah. part of it was I wanted to get on camera and be able to, like, look and talk and, like, interact with my friends and... Uh, I think it wound up being an amazing jumping off point for so many of us because the books just haven't been the same in a while. And it's it can't be a show that I edit three three-hour episodes a week anymore because what Marvel's producing for me isn't nine hours of content, which is 18 hours of recording which winds up being 30 hours of production. 
it's just not that kind of movie, honey. So I don't feel the need to do that when I want to celebrate the amazing movies Marvel is making, the amazing television shows Marvel is making, some of the other programming brought by the Disney company with Star Wars and with all of the other things we love in those families. I love these worlds. But right now... We're just not going to do it the same way. That's what. Oh, that's all it comes down to. Like, yeah. if 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 we're saying things need to change, publishing needs to change, and publishing is not changing, I'll change as a reader. Exactly. Uh, I'm not going to keep doing weekly at the shop, getting my books. You know, reading them all first thing Wednesday morning, or you know, if I have to work, it's Wednesday night. I'm getting on Discord with you immediately, talking thoughts, and like that's one of the really big things is like we've been having less to say to each other about them every week because it's just not the stories aren't happening the way that they used to such that like this boom thing we need to talk about. Can you believe it? It's much more like I am confused <laughs> and I don't want to keep having that conversation. So yeah, I'm still a fan. Not going to get rid of any of this stuff, but I will change my behavior in hopes that publishers will change their behavior. Well, Unless you got more on comics right now. And of course, please, if you've got more on comics, hit me with everything you got. Uh, otherwise, let's talk about a little bit of change of behavior. Uh, Kevo, uh, you want to hop on in, Handsome? I thought I was adding myself to stream. I hit the wrong button. Hello. Hi there. Hi there. So, we've got some exciting programming coming up. And I have to, like, actually look at my comic list. I mean, my comic list. I have to look at my spreadsheet, right? Spread them sheets, girl. Uh, today marks sort of like the end of regular, regular comic coverage that we are going to continue having comic coverage in there. Next week represents like uh, a bit of coverage that like I can't believe the guys are excited about doing with me. Uh, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster series. Uh, if you just want to know how, how successful this thing is, it's been out for two years and it finally came out on Switch. Uh, it sold out before it came out and now the the uh second market secondary market on ebay is like 750 dollars a game so good gracious um we're gonna also be talking about theatrical rhythm final bar line which is a final fantasy adjacent game i'm really really excited about that uh we're gonna be taking a look at the guardians of the galaxy uh volume three the holiday special some of the theme park attractions uh, excited about all of that. RuPaul Drag Race All-Stars and uh, Muppet Mayhem. I'm so jazzed about these. We're going to find a way to also get Eurovision on here because the three of us are going to be having a Eurovision party. So we're going to get Eurovision up on this list. We're going to be doing uh, yeah. a little bit of Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, spreading that gaming world out there a little bit. And uh, guys, we've got some other stuff further down the, the list. I don't want to give too much away, uh, but a lot of movies, a lot of cool games. Uh, I will say that everybody should really brace themselves for the intensity that is going to be what I bring when we do Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I'm excited. A little pre-Halloween for us in the summertime. So guys, talk to me. How do you guys feel about this upcoming slate of projects that we're looking at? Honestly, I mean, I'm stoked, but what I love more is how it has come together and, you know, how we keep 
putting our tendrils and our eyes out into the world and talking together and figuring out what we want to cover. Uh, you know, the, I mean, I, the example I always go back to is jury duty because that was just out of nowhere. We absolutely did not need to cover that. Uh, nobody would have been like, I can't believe they didn't cover jury duty. Uh, <laughs> but what a joy, what fun we had watching it together, talking about it. Um, what a special thing it is. I can't recommend it enough. And, you know, we had a discussion a couple weeks ago where we were going over movies that are coming out and possible, you know, coverage for, for films. And I found a couple on there that I didn't realize were coming out that look really cool. And it just made me really excited. And I'm excited to do that for games, for TV, for everything. It's just, it's really fun. Um, and, you know, please, viewers, listeners, if you have stuff that you would love to see us cover, uh, you know, like, comment, be in touch with us. We would love the recommendations. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, send us a DM or a tweet. Um, we'd love to know. Yeah. Well, and... Um... You know, I I really concur with everything that Tika's saying. Uh, I've loved being able to be more actively involved with the show, and I love that uh, we're not all always more actively involved with the show at all times, though. Like, I took more of a backseat for comics. Um, I know that Teak had less to say about musicals, but he was still super <laughs> enthused and engaged. And I'm going to have less to say about Zelda, definitely going to have less to say about Final Fantasy, but I'm still excited to be along for the ride because, you know, we're a group and we all have these varied interests and we all have these different interesting perspectives to bring to these things. Uh, Teak is always saying how he loves what Tori brings uh, to comic stuff. Uh, before we go, one of the things that I wanted to point out before I forget, uh, something that we covered a few weeks ago on the show uh, reached a very fun landmark this weekend. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie cleared a billion Damn. Is the first film of 2023 to do so. Congrats. First video game movie to do so. Cleared it in under a month. Uh, you know, I think probably it's likely Guardians is going to reach it. But hey, now Mario reached it first. And uh, that is a really cool thing. And it was really cool for us to have covered it and talked about all the different uh, adaptations and uh, different forms of media there have been for Mario so far. And so stuff like that is just really fun and it's been really cool to engage and branch out into different content like that. I've loved it. And uh, while I know this isn't the last time I'm going to be using this amazing background, it's the last time this is going to be like my main man on the show because we're going to be looking at so many amazing uh, media projects. And until we do, Kevin, where can everybody find you? Oh, well, you can find me on tweeters and the Gramercy uh, at Kevo Really. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And I, I, I really have a plan to start using my Insta more soon. I promise. So go. Go we believe and enjoy. Teak, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. And as always, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Got it right that time. Nailed it. Uh, I want to say big thanks to, one more time, to Joe Glass, Matt Miner, 
and Tyler Chintaner uh, for making this amazing project possible, Young Men in Love. So proud to be part of this award-winning book. Uh, so, so proud my story is in there and uh, really excited about the future of that. But uh, until next time, when we come back to cover some Final Fantasy, what? I want you guys to stay smart, stay safe, like, subscribe, and come back next time.